What does it take to cure diseases, not just manage their symptoms? This is Inside the Cure from Allure Medical and its founder, Dr. Charles Moak. He explores world-renowned health care that benefits patients and the economy. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cam Carmen, and today we're here with Dr. Moak and Daniel Stabley. We're talking about stem cells. And Dr. Moak, we'll start with you. Can you explain what stem cells are and what they do for us? I sure can. Now, I'm going to explain about what they do, what they are. And Danielle's going to explain to you how it is. She's a physician assistant, how we use them boots on the ground. What are we actually doing? We're seeing in our patients because mm-hmm. she's, she's uh, seeing the patients. So our body started out with basically a bunch of stem cells. You know, we were an embryo and grew into a human being. And we used to think that you had a certain number of cells and they would age and die. And that's when you were kind of at the end of the road. But now we find that our cells are constantly turning over and they're replacing themselves, not just like blood cells or skin cells, but even our nerve cells and our muscle cells and our heart cells. And the cells have a certain amount of time they survive and they go through inflammation and other processes and they sort of wear out. And once they do, they give signals to the adjacent stem cells. These are cells that are not really specifically programmed to do anything exactly. And they get a chemical messenger from the dying cell to replace it. Let's say take knee cartilage, which is one of the most common areas we treat is arthritis of the knees. The cartilage, when you're young, you have injury or cartilage from running and stuff, and mm-hmm. those, some of those cells will die, and mm-hmm. the adjacent baby's cartilage cells will grow into a new, a new cartilage. We really have an endless ability to replace our cells. So what happens? Why do we get aging? Why do we get arthritis? And why do we get decline? recently science has shown us that these cells that are supposed to die and move aside and let a stem cell replace it, in some cases because of inflammation, they become what's called senescent, meaning they go into a almost like a zombie-like condition where they're neither dead nor alive. And because they're neither dead nor alive, they're signaling the stem cells to stay where they're at and not do anything instead of dying and let themselves being replaced. And when you're younger, this really doesn't happen much. But over time, from accumulated injury, environmental exposure, different things, we have more of these cells that are senescent or like like zombie-like cells, and they're neither dead nor alive, and then the tissue degrades. In the case of arthritis, the cartilage gets thinner and thinner, eventually it's bone on bone. So stem cells were supposed to fix that. Mm -hmm. Well, now we can take stem cells from another part of your body. They could come from your bone marrow or your fat or different tissues. Or we can give it a stem cell from another person. We can get it from amniotic fluid or from umbilical cord stem cells that were much younger than you are and we can inject them in that same area and they will overwhelm these zombie stem cells and they'll stimulate them to die and allow the new stem cells to replace them so it just kind of wakens up a sleeping process and it's been around for a long time we were using stem cells previously for things like certain kinds of blood cancers we would take so many stem cells out so somebody here would have like a leukemia. We would take stem cells out of their bone marrow. And these were the baby cells that are designed to make all your blood cells. And we would give them poison to kill off all the cancer. Mm-hmm. And once the cancer's gone, we replace the stem cells into their bone and get this, they regenerate and start making red blood cells again. And then we started using stem cells for tissue repair really in the past couple of decades. And now we're realizing how the stem cells are working better than we ever have. And we can actually get it simpler and simpler. Right now, there's a lot of interest from pharmaceutical companies to figure out what is this chemical signal that the stem cell is giving to the tissue. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be some kind of a protein, some kind of peptide. And if they can make that, they can patent it and sell it as a drug. Right now, it is using tissue. We're using human tissue from another person or from yourself. 
and the FDA is going to start regulating this in October of 2020. Right now, they're telling us the guidelines they want us to follow, but in October next year, they're going to re- regulate it. That's always a question. Is FDA approved? Not yet. Uh, mm-hmm. It's sort of FDA exempt right now, but they're going to weigh in next fall. So we have to have like an FDA approved lab or have some kind of a drug from a manufacturer. So it is, it is changing. Another thing's happened. Well, we'll talk about, I'm going to pass on to Danielle, but then I want to talk about something that's a little more exciting than stem cells to us. Mm-hmm. So it's all exciting, but we're excited about something called exosomes, which makes stem cells easier. And it's going to bring us that much closer to having just the actual peptide, which would be even easier yet. So then, you know, tell us your experience. Like, what are the kind of patients you simply, typically see and what kind of response are you getting for stem cells? Yeah, so we've seen some amazing results already. I've been doing stem cell treatments for two and a half years, Dr. Moak, for probably five years now. We've treated over 500 patients. Most of our focus is osteoarthritis. I would say knees and hips and shoulders are the main complaint that come in with. I and mean, we're really trying to give them an alternative option to prevent knee surgery or go through that debilitating surgical option. So with the stem cells, I've seen patients come in, we either use their own fat or use the umbilical cord, and they're seeing results within one to two months already. Um, It's a simple injection into the knee. Patients can go home directly after the procedure. There's no downtime, maybe ice for a day or two and take it easy, no running a marathon that day, but they're typically back to their normal activity within a week or two and really notice that regeneration within four to six months. That's the word I was going to use, regeneration. Yes, yes. So osteoarthritis has a huge breakthrough and potential to potentially eliminate knee replacements or joint replacements in the future. I've really seen patients be able to get back to doing activities they haven't been able to because they've been living in pain. So they can golf now or play full court basketball or go skiing, play tennis. A lot of athletes just want to get back to doing things that they haven't been able to. Mm-hmm. I have patients that stop using their canes. You know, they're right. now they live in less pain. They're not taking Motrin and all these painkillers, you know, all the time and really just improving their quality of life. Right. Take us through the process of getting the stem cells from the body. Mm -hmm. So if we do use your own fat, we do a mini liposuction procedure to harvest the fat. We only need like a cup of fat. Patients tolerate it really well. We numb up their abdomen prior to, takes about 15-20 minutes to harvest the fat. After they're done, we wrap their abdomen in an ACE wrap. Most patients have really zero discomfort within the following days. And once we get the fat, we'll put it into this FDA-approved kit to cleanse the fat, break it up, micronize it, remove all the oils, and then we're left with a clean, dense fat that we can inject directly back into the joint. Everything's ultrasound guided. We make it very comfortable for the patient. We use a numbing spray prior to injecting in the joint as comfortable as possible for the patients. And then, like I said, they can get up and walk right out of the clinic the same day. That's that's incredible. That's incredible. How soon, again, were we saying about results? How soon, how long does it take to see definite results? So I have patients go home and call me one to two days later that their pain is better. But really it's one to two months that they're seeing some anti-inflammatory response and it continues to get better really for a year, even two years. And then do patients have to have another treatment? That's a great question. So the studies that have been done show that it probably lasts about seven years. Oh, my gosh. But you probably peak at two years. 
And we have people coming back at two years that want to get, they, they start feeling, okay, I was getting better. I'm no longer getting better. I want to do it again. Mm-hmm. We've had some people get it done in six months because they want to get more better. Mm-hmm. But in general, we see people now, we'll probably see them in two to five years. It is not permanent because of the fact that once you've replaced the cartilage, once it's grown back, right. those same factors that led to a wear down in the first place are still persistent. Now, down the road, when we're using different drugs, we might be able might be dose related since we're using your stem cells we're getting a certain number of billion of stem billions of stem cells we just don't know how many to use so maybe if we did more would it work better mm-hmm. but because we're using kind of a raw stem cells a lot of volume so we, we do a certain amount of injection when we look at things like the umbilical cord stem cells or bone marrow stem cells or fat derived stem cells the jury's out on terms of which is the best but clinically we see more response in the umbilical cells, umbilical stem cells for the joint than the other ones, but it's not something I could put my finger on. There's not been a study done for it. There's something they call a flattening effect where it'll get better for a certain amount of time, the umbilical stem cells might go further. So we're kind of starting to lean more towards umbilical stem cells. They're obviously younger, but when we started doing this, it was 100% fat because that was the first thing available. Mm-hmm. So can we move on to talk about exosomes? Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Yeah, we're real excited about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually going to uh, meet the founder of one of the exosome companies tomorrow in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. So the way the stem cells work is they've got chemical signals inside of them. Like we call them cytokines. And these signals can tell cells to die, to divide, to turn into something, to waken up. There's all these messengers, and there's really trillions of messengers in messenger body going on in any given day. And there's cellular signals, so our cells communicate with signals that are brought on by our DNA and other factors. So the stem cells are much smaller than the typical cell. So we look at a cartilage cell, it might be, let's say it was the size of a, of a, of a soccer ball, and mm-hmm. the stem cell might be the size of a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're smaller, and they're packed with these chemical messengers, and the messengers are li- little tiny little packets. Now, they, we started seeing with stem cells, they'd have these little globules globules around the stem cell. So if you got the tennis ball size, I'm sorry, ping pong ball size stem cell, it might have little dots around it of these exosomes. And exosomes, at first we thought it was some kind of a waste product from the stem cell, mm-hmm. almost like stem cell poop. But it's absolutely not stem cell poop. It's a chemical messenger, and that's actually how they work. So they start spewing out these little signals in something called an exosome, E-X-O-S-O-M, it's external to the cell. And it's got the chemical messengers in it to tell the cells to go ahead and wake up and move on. So now we can go a step further. So if we do the fat, we take the fat and destroy it, and we separate some things out and we inject the stem cells. But what happens is we can just get the exosomes and not even inject the stem cells. So right now what Danielle's doing is she's injecting 400 billion exosomes into the knee. Oh, my gosh. And it's a little tiny, it's not even a tenth of a teaspoon. Oh, wow. And she can actually mix that with other things and make them work better, but it allows us probably to get to more joints, mm-hmm. smaller volumes. And it's it's still stem cell therapy, but it's even more targeted or precise. We're not injecting things in there that are inert because the stem cell itself, the cell is inert. It's the chemical messengers inside of it. And then what will happen again in the future was we won't even use the exosome. We'll find that peptide or protein that the mm-hmm. exome carries and just give that precise one. So it's a little crude right now. It, it works absolutely, mm-hmm. but it's not really that ref, that We're really fine. precise, right? So it's, mm-hmm. again, it's not a drug yet, but it, but it will be. I think right now it's, that hasn't brought the cost down yet, but I think we'll see that in the future. There's a lot of companies that are producing the exosomes. They do come from the same sources. They come from stem cells, mm-hmm. so from humans. And uh, when, as competition goes on, we'll see a little bit of downward price pressure. Right now, it's pretty much the same cost as umbilical. It's just a little simpler. 
So we have the different choices. Can we talk about cost? Yeah, sure. I think you can answer that better than me. Sure, yeah. So depending on what condition we're treating, how severe the arthritis is, we have multiple different treatment plans that we could use for each patient. So if we're using your own fat, adipose stem cells, the cost starts around 4000 and then can go up from there, depending on how many treatment, how many joints that you're treating or what different areas you're treating. Starting with the umbilical cord or exosomes, the cost starts at 59 and then can go up from there also depending on how many joints or how many different areas we're treating. I'm a layman, obviously. Can you explain to me the umbilical cord process? And, and you had said different things early on. Where does that come from? And, you know, is there still a controversy about that? I remember that from a few years back, if you care to elaborate on that. Yeah, it's a great question. A lot to, this is something that is commonly misunderstood, not just by you, but in general. The controversy was using aborted embryos mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to get stem cells. But at the time, that's the only way we knew how to do it. It turns out we can get stem cells out of your fat. We can get them out of umbilical cords, ones are discarding. So there's no controversy about that. It was actually about the embryonic stem cells, mm -hmm. which are the most root fundamental stem cells there are. Now, scientists can take a umbilical stem cell and backwards engineer it into them to a embryonic or a fetus stem cell. We don't really need to do that for what we're doing for the arthritis, but in the future, when we're starting to design hearts and stuff with stem cells, they'll be doing that, but they'll do it with other sources of stem cells. So the controversy was tied to the abortion issue. Mm -hmm. These were you know, discarded fetuses. Right. There's a lot of polarization on that. And some people are really bothered by the fact that we've banned it. We absolutely don't need embryonic stem cells. We, we do not need them. We can actually make them now. Mm -hmm. So it's really something that's not worth trying to overcome public sentiment for science purposes is just not necessary. And that was, I think, in the 90s that was banned, and that's still intact. So we don't need them. Uh, we have an abundant source. But what happens is that women that have babies, they may choose to store or bank their baby's stem cells. Right. And they're offered an option to do that. Most don't. And the ones that don't, they, they reprocess them. I don't know if they buy them from the women, or I'm not sure about that, but there's companies that buy them umbilical cords, and then they check them for known communicable diseases, and if there is problems, they discard them, and then we get we buy them from the company. And same thing with amniotic fluid, they just get it from, from pregnant mothers, and this is a huge abundance. And the thing is that, you know, even if you ask yourself, is it controversial to use umbilical stem cells for healing a knee? Mm -hmm. We use pigs' heart valves in people's hearts. We right. use different tissues. And the right. alternative, again, you know, with the knee surgery, if you have a knee surgery, 20% of people still have pain after knee surgery, mm -hmm. nerve injuries, so it causes. And then about 2% of them have major morbidities, such as a heart attack, stroke, blood clot, even death. So there's a really a huge advantage to using something non-surgical. And this is not that pure yet, but it works. And we are using tissues. We're mm -hmm. using uh, uh, babies umbilical cords that would otherwise be discarded mm -hmm. or burned. Mm -hmm. So it really is a good use. And obviously, we have kind of an endless supply you know, babies are being born every day. Sure. Uh, the idea about spanking your own children's stem cells, it turns out now that there's really not a whole lot of applications for it. There might be certain unique situations that children might need to have some disease where that's beneficial. But in general, now we can just buy them. I'm not right. sure it makes sense to bank them now so when, you're seven, when your child's 70 years old, they can have paid for that freezing all those years. They can just buy some other kids' stem cells. Right, <laughs> right. Well, my kids are 18, and when they were born, it was sort of an experimental right. issue. And, and I chose not to, and I know you said a lot of mothers choose not to as well, because 
what are the chances that when your child is 70 and needs that, that it's still going to be a viable option? Yeah, yeah, and the thing is we can get stem cells from right. umbilical cords. So sometimes, some cases it would have made sense, but in general, when your kids were born, they didn't know what they'd do with them, they just knew they could freeze them. Right, right. Danielle, let's talk about the effects on patients and what you've seen, and you told us a little bit earlier about how remarkable this is. Tell us some case, you know, situations where you've really seen a change. Yeah. As far as osteoarthritis, I'm treating patients anywhere from age 30 all the way up to 95. Oh um, wow. And, you know, the younger ones typically have had a lot of wear and tear on their joints. I've even had a pro football player who had all of his joints arthritic. So I treated his shoulders, hips, and knees. And now he can play with his kids. He can ride his bike. You know, he, he came out of retirement from being a pro football player and really wasn't able to even play with his family because of how much arthritis he had. And now he's able to do those things and ride his bike and run again. And now can throw the football, you know, again with his kids, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. I have patients that, you know, 40s, 50s that are still working and aren't able to, aren't able to work as well. I have a housekeeper that does a lot of um, cleaning in the house. Mm -hmm. You know, her shoulders were really bothering her. Now she can work every day Mm -hmm. and be able to go to work and not have pain after her treatment. I have older patients using walkers and canes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're so unstable because of their knee pain. And now they're able to really take those canes away, take those braces away that they've been wearing on their knees for so long, and they can get around. And even just the smallest change for them can be a huge impact on their quality of life. Now they can really enjoy their life and not be a burden on other family members. Um, I like how sometimes people are afraid to talk about it. And they don't want to tell their doctor because they're told they need to do a surgery. Oh, sure. And uh, we've had patients say, well, they can't tell their doctor because they say the only treatment is surgery and stem cells don't work, which just means they're not reading the literature. I mean, this is there's a plethora of literature showing that proving that this works. But today I was walking through the waiting room. I don't see patients anymore. But she goes, hey, Dr. Moak, you treated my you treated my knee with stem cells. I said, <laughs> oh, really? How'd it go? And she says, oh, you know, it really worked really good. It's, it's been great. I'm like, why are you why whispering? whispering? Right, and right. she says, because they told me I'd have knee surgery. I'm like, well, we should be yelling that you didn't have to have knee right, surgery. Yeah, exactly. But she's almost saying, like, i got to keep this a secret, you know, that, that it works so good. Because her doctor told her she would need to have surgery. And they were always telling her this every time she went in. And now she didn't have to have knee surgery. And it's sort of like she wants to, wants to hide it. Absolutely. There's, yeah. there's that kind of thought that you'll get yelled at by your doctor for right. doing this. You know? and right. Really, and really, the, the thing is, and... This is not to badmouth doctors, but the industry is designed around maintaining disease. Mm-hmm. If you look at how do we treat arthritis currently, mm-hmm. well, the average person that gets a knee replacement, they consume $38,000 in medical expenses in the 13 years before they have surgery. Wow. Drugs, injections, yep. x-rays, MRI, physical therapy, 38000 And then when they go through the knee surgery, it costs about $78,000 all, all in. Mm-hmm. Okay, all in in terms of the mm-hmm. rehab and everything else. So now we're looking at a hundred thousand dollar thing, right? And they're going to get another knee surgery in ten years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it is a massive money maker. We spent one hundred fifteen billion dollars last year in arthritis treatments, and of that, about twenty billion was knee replacement surgery. So it's it's a big big market. And you look at that. I mean, think about the opioid epidemic. How many patients right. on opioids, narcotics, were started because of arthritis? Right. You know, we were talking about controversial, yeah, and then uh, the, of course, anti-inflammatory medicines, there's known problems with those, and there's a certain amount of morbidity that occurs from taking Advil on a regular basis. So when we look at safety, hands down, 
there is nothing that touches stem cells. You could talk about the efficacy, but in my experience, it almost always works. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't, we don't know why, but we do it again, and then it works. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, not like okay, guaranteed this is going to work. The other thing is we look at the studies, it also shows that people get, generally, almost everybody gets more than a 50% pain reduction. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, how far can we take it? Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Can you elaborate, Danielle? So our success rate here is 86% pain reduction um, with knees because that's the most common patient that we have. That's That's remarkable. It really is. 86% versus a fake knee and the morbidities are associated with that. Mm -hmm. Keeping your own stuff. Well, this has all been incredible information. And as we wrap up now, any final thoughts? No, this is exciting. I think we're really wanting to get the word out. The stem cells are coming. And most of the things we do in our practice, when we started doing them, we were like the only ones. And then it takes about 10 years for it to become mainstay. Mm-hmm. And we're in a, uh, eight states right now at the time of this recording. And we want to have it where this is more mainstream, covered by insurance, which I think will be coming in about five to seven years. You know, We're ready to go because what will happen is once this is becoming more mainstream and insurance pays for it, that will legitimize in people's heads. But doctors still will resist it for about another five to seven years after mm-hmm. that. We've seen that with the things we do. It's like the fear of change, even the change is improving. Right. It's like altering right. the way we do things. Fear of change, it's a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Any parting thoughts, Danielle? No, just uh, if anyone's thinking about trying a stem cell therapy or having stem cell therapy, definitely come in for a consultation. Come and see me. See someone who's doing stem cell therapy. It will change your life. That sounds great. All right. Thank you both. Appreciate it, Danielle Stabley and Dr. Moak. Thank you. Appreciate your time today. Thanks for listening to Inside the Cure with Dr. Charles Moak. See you next time.